who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm William. This is the podcast where we talk about everything tabletop role-playing games. And today we are venturing into the elemental chaos. Hey, Brian. Hey, Will. How you doing today? I am great. It's uh, It's been a holiday. I haven't experienced it yet because it's December 17th. Right <laughs> Happy now. New Year, Brian. Thank you, Will. <laughs> Happy New Year to Happy you. Happy New Year. And with a new year comes a new theme. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and this year we're getting elemental. Whoa. That's right. It's the year of the elemental. <clears throat> I'm the last airbender. Indeed. No, I'm not. We all will be by the end of this. That's, uh, that'd be fun. A year where we take a focused look at the inner planes of the cosmos and the inhabitants therein. So get ready to trek through the choking blizzards of the Frostfell. Sail across the burning sea of fire. Scale the towering fountains of creation. And dredge through the swamp of oblivion here on the Dungeon Cast. Sick. We will be covering elementals, primordials, the city of brass, and more. And today is a two-for-one deal. A wombo combo, wombo if you combo. will. Because not only is today the first of these Elemental episodes, but it's also the first patron-voted episode of the year. Sweet. And the patrons have voted to have us go to perhaps the most elemental place in all creation. The Elemental Chaos. I always thought it was Chaos. Nope, it's totally Chaos. (laughs) Did you really think it was Chaos? No, I just wanted to be be chaotic in the moment. So I said that. So what is the Elemental Chaos? I don't know. (laughs) You know. Well, that sort of depends on which edition we're talking about. Oh, all right. Um, the Elemental Chaos as a concept was invented during and for 4th edition D&D, which, okay. as we've discussed many times on this show, is both lore-wise and mechanics-wise so utterly different from any other edition that it's pretty much its own thing. Yeah, 100%. <clears throat> that includes its cosmology. Mm-hmm. 4E operates in a cosmological model known as the World Axis Cosmology. Third and fifth edition operate in the Great Wheel cosmology, which is probably the uh, what most of the people listening to this episode are most familiar with. True. <laughs> There's a lot of um, decriers of fourth edition out there. They don't want anything to do with that. Yeah, or or, or just a huge amount of people that jumped in at five e and never went back. And like, because why would you? You know that that's true. Five e's got what you need. There's um, yeah. what is it like? It's in the DMG, right? Or is it in the PHB? Like that explains the planes. It's in the PHB, huh? Um, I believe PHB and, and uh, DMG. They both, both have it. They have that image of like all the the bubbles or wheels. The wheels, you, yeah, yeah, if you will. The wheel. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool page. Definitely go check it out if you've got the book. Also, as we have also discussed many times on this podcast, 4E was a paragon in fleshing out its lore. For any given subject in this wonderful game, if 4E covered it, there's probably as much information in detail written out in a single 4E source book as there are in all other source books across all other editions oh, combined. Oh, wow. Okay. 
4E really fleshes things out. Nice. So uh, Dragon Magazine notwithstanding, of course. Um, so what does this mean? It means that even though 5e has brought the elemental chaos over from 4e and applied it to the Great Wheel Cosmos, there's essentially a single paragraph of 5e lore on the plane of existence. Okay. While 4e, on the other hand, has multiple chapters across multiple source books, including a whole player option book titled Heroes of the Elemental Chaos. You know, I appreciate <clears throat> the simplicity of 5e, what it tried to do there. But like to ha to strip all that away is kind of well. I'm not sure. You're gonna see that they kind of had to because most of it doesn't fit the Great Wheel cosmology. I see. Okay. Um. So surprise, this is a fourth edition episode because <laughs> <laughs> cool. like it was invented for four E. So there's nothing pre four E that exists for it. Five E has a single paragraph. If you want me to do an episode, hey, it's a fourth edition episode now. You're right about yeah. That's that's a good point. Mm. There's also a. Uh, <laughs> There's also been you can vote for episode topics on Patreon. You nominate and vote for them. Mm. And fourth edition is creeping. Oh it's yeah, on its, it's way. Creeping. It's, we're I mean, gonna have a fourth they, edition. They episode got eventually. it today, but yeah, the fourth edition explained episode that one keeps popping up. Yeah, yeah. like this one is like it's got that extra flavor, so it's like a four E light kind of mm -hmm. episode. Mm -hmm. It seems like okay. Yeah. Well, good job, people on Patreon. You you've been crying for four E, and eventually we'll get it. And and you're kind of you're mostly getting it today. So. <laughs> Exactly. That's right. It's a trifecta. Patron voted, theme appropriate, and stuffed with awesome 4E lore. Woo! There is a small problem, though. As we go over most of this 4E lore, it will become apparent very quickly that there is an incompatibility between the two editions lore is written. Uh, that being said, I still think there is a plethora of rich and fun ideas to be derived by a 5E DM looking for ways to build adventures in the elemental chaos and to populate it with places and beings. Um... So this is going to be a fun episode. Absolutely. And let us begin by going over the little that 5e does give us and ruminate on it before diving into the wild, wacky world of 4th edition D&D. Fun. Let's do it. So at the furthest, farthest extents of the elemental planes, the pure elements of air, fire, earth, and water dissolve and bleed together into an unending tumult of clashing energies and colliding substance called the elemental chaos. Elementals can be found here as well, but they usually don't stay long, preferring to Preferring the comfort of their native planes, reports indicate the existence of weird hybrid elementals native to the elemental chaos, but such creatures are seldom seen on other planes. Okay. <clears throat> and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I can find uh, in 5e on the elemental chaos. Um, that's official. You know, I don't know. There might be third party stuff or like there's stuff that goes on DMs Guild and people seem to treat it like it's official, but it's super not official. So... Yeah, I'm not I mean, including it on when I'm talking about official stuff. If you like it, put it in your game. Exactly. And move yeah. on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, the you know, we we do have to discern what's official, what's not yeah. for the purpose of this show. Yeah. And I can't buy every single source book made by every single person ever and read through it and understand it well yeah. enough to include on the show. We're so. not even buying Hasbro's stuff if we yeah. can help it. Hell, I'm just making it up now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah. So, where was I? Um... It's a strange and alien place that few venture to due to its hostility to life, and it's a removed uh, outer place of the cosmos. Not a lot to work with, right. but, you know, I mean, enough. Basically, you know, kind of make it up yourself if you want, mm -hmm. which is, I think, fine. Right. You never have to go there, I, really. I never have. I don't tend to have a problem when they're like, when you reach a point where it's like, well, make it up yourself. But I know some people really want more than that. Mm -hmm. So, luckily, they're in luck. So, let's head back to 4E. And see what we could dig up there. And I will start by explaining the world axis cosmology first to give some context to how differently things are structured. So throw away everything you know about the Great Wheel because that doesn't exist here. Okay. So in the world axis model of the cosmos, much like the Great Wheel model, the world occupies a special place at the center of the universe. It's the middle ground where the conflicts between gods and primordials and, uh, and amongst the gods themselves play out through the, their servants, both mortal and immortal. But other planes of existence surround the world, nearby dimensions where some power sources are said to originate and powerful creatures reside, including demons, devils, and the gods. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Before the world existed, the universe was divided into two parts, the astral sea and the elemental chaos. Some legends say that those two were once one realm, but even the gods can't know that for certain, for they had their origin in the astral sea. The astral sea floats above the world, an ocean of silvery liquid with the stars visible beneath the shallow sea. Sheets of shimmering starlight like gossamer veils part to reveal the, domi the dominions, the homes of the gods, like islands floating in the astral sea. Not all the gods live in the dominions. The Raven Queen's palace of Lotharna stands in the Shadowfell, and Lolf's home, the demon web pits, is located in the abyss. 
Avadra, Melora, and Torog wander the world, and both Sehanin and Vecna wander the whole cosmos. Mm-hmm. Arvander, the home of Coralon and sometimes Sehanin, the bright city of uh, Hestavar, a vast metropolis where Arathis, Ion, and Pelor make their homes. Tytherion, the Endless Night, is the dark domain that Tiamat and Zahir share. The Iron Fortress of Shur- Shurnagar is Bane's stronghold, and Grumsh makes his home on an eternal battlefield outside the fortress's walls. What the ground? Determined to raise it to the ground one day. Celestia is the heavenly realm of Bahamut and Moradin, and the Nine Hells, home of Asmodeus and his devils. Each of these is a world unto itself upon the endless astral sea. So you're already seeing this is way different from the Great Will. Yeah, I think it's funny that Moradin is chilling with Bahamut and like Arvandor has like Coralon like separate. Yeah. Like yeah. the big three split up into like, you know. <laughs> well, it's funny that you see them as the big three because before 4E, Bahamut was super, super minor. Oh, really? Like really downplayed. Oh, okay. Not part of major pantheons in any way. Um, it was the advent of 4E the dra- and the Dragonborn and the popularity of Dragonborn mm-hmm. that kind of brought it to the forefront outside, of course, of Dragonlance, which we know really utilizes Oh, yeah, that's heavy, right? In my game, Bahamut is my go-to, like... I love Bahamut. Default god. You know, if I need one real quick that is, like, righteous and good, I'm going grabbing that off the shelf. Bahamut's pretty much my favorite deity, Um, followed closely by Saloon or Sahanin. I prefer Sahanin. Yeah. Anyways, so now we come to the elemental chaos. At the foundation of the world, the elemental chaos churns like an ever-changing tempest of clashing elements, fire and lightning, earth and water, whirlwinds and living thunder. Just as the gods originated in the astral sea, the first inhabitants of the elemental chaos were the primordials, creatures of raw elemental power. They shaped the world from the raw material of the elemental chaos, and if they had it their way, the world would be torn back down and returned to raw materials. The gods have given have given the world permanence utterly alien to the primordial's nature. The elemental chaos approximates a level plane on which travelers can move, but the landscape is broken up by rivers of lightning, seas of fire, floating earthbergs, ice mountains, and other formations of raw elemental forces. However, it is possible to make one's way slowly down into the lower layers of the elemental chaos. At its bottom, it turns into a swirling maelstrom that grows darker and deadlier as it descends. At the bottom of that maelstrom is the abyss, the home of demons. One of the 4E origin stories of the abyss states that Theris Dune, the chain god, planted a shard of pure evil in the heart of the elemental chaos before the world was finished, and the gods imprisoned him for that act of blasphemy. The abyss is as entropic as the elemental chaos where it was planted, but is actively malevolent where the rest of the elemental chaos is simply untamed. Man, there's huge chunks of this episode exist in a lot of our other episodes yeah. of Finding Hot. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And since we made it this far, we might as well finish out the Axis model with the world, its echoes, and its creation myth. The world has no proper name, but it bears a wide variety of prosaic and poetic names among those people who ever find need to call it anything but the world. It's the creation, the middle world, the natural world, the created world, or even the first work. Uh, again, this is 4E specific lore. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't. This applies only to the fourth edition uh, campaign setting that was never truly named, as the world was never truly named. Looking down on this work from the Astral Sea, the gods were fascinated with the world. Creatures of thought and ideal, the gods saw endless room for improvement in the primordial's work, and their imaginings took form and substance from the abundance of creation stuff still drifting in the cosmos. Life spread across the face of this world. The churning elements resolved into oceans and land masses. Uh, Diffused light became a sun and moon and stars. The gods drew astral essence and mixed it with the tiniest bits of creation stuff to create mortals to populate the world and worship them. Elves, dwarves, humans, and others appeared in this period of spontaneous creation. Resentful of the gods meddling in their work, the primordials began a war that shook the universe. But the gods emerged victorious and the world remains as they have shaped it. As the world took shape, the primordials found some pieces too vivid and bright and hurled them away. They found other pieces too murky and dark, and they flung them away as well. These discarded bits of creation clustered and merged and formed together in the echoes of the shaping of the world. As the gods joined in the act of creation, more ripples spread out into the Feywild and the Shadowfell, bringing creatures to life there as echoes of the world's mortals. Thus, the world was born with two siblings, the bright Feywild and the dark Shadowfell. That's neat. I like that. The Shadowfell is a dark echo of the world. It touches the world in uh, places of deep shadow, sometimes spilling out into the world and other times drawing hapless travelers into its dark embrace. It's not wholly evil, but everything in the Shadowfell has its dark and sinister side. When mortal creatures die, their spirits travel first to the Shadowfell before moving on to their final fate. 
Yeah, it's like walking by a Hot Topic at the mall. <laughs> Bro, I've been in Hot Topic so many times because it's Christmas, and oh, so many man. people in my life require T-shirts from the Hot Topic. <laughs> I mean, if you want T-shirts, they got them. They got them, man. They got them. If you want an Invader Zim shirt, you know where to go. Yeah, yeah. The Feywild is an enchanted reflection of the world. Arcane energy flows through it like streams of crystal water. Its beauty and majesty is unparalleled in the world, and every creature of the wild is imbued with a measure of fantastic power. Just... Just like Spencer's gifts. <laughs> Share something like Wetzel's pretzels. Yeah, that's way better. That <laughs> smell of Wetzel's pretzels. There the the Feywild. Hot Topic is a Shadowfell. Wetzel's pretzels or like an Anne's pretzels is the Feywild. We're just going to uh, analog everything to the mall. I've been at the mall so many times this year because of the holidays. <laughs> So and be and beyond, scholars claim that the universe described here is not all there is. Uh, that something else exists beyond the astral sea and the elemental chaos. Evidence for this idea appears in the form of the most alien creatures known, aberrant monsters such as the abolith and gibbering orb. Is it gibbering or gibbering? A uh, gibbering. Good. These creatures don't seem to be part of the world or any known realm, and where they live in the world, reality alters around them. Uh, this fact has led sages to postulate the existence of a place they call the Far Realm, a place where the laws of reality work differently than in the known universe. In addition, the souls of the dead, though they travel first to the Shadowfell, pass beyond it after a time. Some souls are claimed by the gods and carried to the divine dominions, but others pass to another realm beyond the knowledge of any living being. Oh. Um, so, too long didn't read. You definitely did read it, though. I did. I was but, here. But TLDR. Okay. <laughs> 4E has the cosmos divided between the divine and the primal, the spiritual and the physical. And the material plane is where it all meets. Above is the astral sea, where there are gods, immortals, and angels. Below is the elemental chaos. In 4E, uh, this is where the four inner planes, as well as the plane of limbo, and finally the abyss, all got placed in this new cosmology. Just a big chaotic soup with a bottomless pit of evil darkness way down below. Literally that. Yeah. Literally that. Mm -hmm. Um, so that is for a world access model of the cosmos, as well as a brief creation mythos. I said brief, it probably wasn't that brief, but anyways, the creation mythos has a ton of details spelled out in other books that I, I did give you the TLDR mm -hmm. and, and the, and the cliff notes. I, I gave you cliff notes that. and then the TLDR. In summary. Yeah. In summary. Now that the context has been laid out, let's just dive right into the elemental chaos. Okay. So the... Shh. Swan dive <laughs> onto the elemental chaos. The elemental chaos is the raw material of creation, that from which the universe arose, untouched by the stabilizing divine influence that formed the world into a more or less permanent state. The elemental chaos is a roiling tempest of matter and energy. At times, areas coalesce into coherent shapes and terrain, but much of it resembles a stormy sea of churning destruction. The chaos is at once the foundation of the world and the greatest threat to its existence. By its nature, the elemental chaos seeks to pull the created world into its embrace and return it to its component parts. Most of the inhabitants of the elemental chaos share a primal drive towards entropy. Many are creative in their own ways, building structures and civilizations, tearing them down and beginning anew. Demons, however, driven by an insatiable thirst for destruction, seek to draw the entire universe into the vortex of annihilation that is the abyss at the bottom of the elemental chaos. Yeah, these primal forces are tearing at each other, so they're constantly at war, pretty mm -hmm. much. Yeah. Okay. No traveler to the elemental chaos could mistake it for any other plane or world in the infinity of existence. The ground might be bare elemental rock, hardening magma, a smooth sheet of ice or glass, or a field of jagged crystals or crumbling ash. Above, mountains of Stone drift through the air or float on currents of lightning, while storm clouds collide with sheets of flame. Not far away, the ground comes to an end. A sheer cliff drops into an infinite abyss, or a river of magna cuts across the landscape. Another island might drift nearby, perhaps far below or just above, uh, but sometimes on a collision course. The resulting cataclysm annihilates both landforms and creates something entirely new. The substance of the elemental chaos is raw matter, unworked and unrefined. Air fills most expanses between the masses of elemental material, making the majority of the plane at least theoretically hospitable to travelers from the world. I've been thinking a lot, uh, not a lot about it, a little bit about, like, there's no, like, we never mentioned, like, a forest, you know, in these... Mm -hmm. It's always just like there's just a bunch of rocks or mountains or canyons. Yeah. Yeah. In elemental chaos specifically, I think we're going to talk about a little like plants cannot survive here. Okay. So it's yeah. the plants are a material plane thing. So that's like a key indicator that you got material plane vibes going on as you you're in like the woods. Uh, material plane or Feywild. Oh, um, well, yeah. Yeah. Also, well, a lot of the outer planes like have forests and shit. I guess the Shadowfell has forests. They're just like dead trees. Exactly. Okay. And then like the elemental plane of Earth, like, so. 
we're going to talk about it more this year. It's a year of the elemental, but we're probably going to dive a little bit more into the difference between like the border um, parts of the plane versus yeah, the, like deeper the ones of the that rub together and make like weird subplanes. Well, not just that. I mean, like, okay, you go to the elemental plane of Earth, right? But if you're in like the border of the plane, oh, it's like less earthy. Like, yeah, the further back gonna, there you might are. be plenty of plants upon that mountain in which, which you are. And existing. you don't realize you're in the elemental plane of Earth until you like go keep, too keep going deep. deeper. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. So, in places though, air is a hazard, swirling in ceaseless whirlwinds that grasp and never let go, or flowing as liquid, cold enough to freeze fire. Rock, iron, ice, crystal, and sand provide surfaces to stand on. Magma, molten metals, and even running flames stream through rivers or pool in great blazing lakes. Sometimes stone moves like water, even without the heat of magma. An earth flow can carry away anything built on apparently solid ground. Blinding storms of sand or ash can arise at any moment, scouring flesh from bone. Water flows in valleys cut through rock, but it also streams through empty air. It churns in vast tumultuous seas, floats in clouds of scalding steam, blows in storms of snow or hail, or drifts along as majestic icebergs. That was beautiful. Thank you. Raw energy defies the constraints of material form. Sheets of fire dance across the sky and liquid flame flows in canals. Lightning flashes so constantly that those suitably protected find it to be a solid footing. Thunder rolls like tidal waves across the expanse of the plain, flowing about and shattering whatever stands in its path. All these substances of forces are in constant motion, subject to collisions, tides, and storms of raw chaos energy. The only constant within the elemental chaos is change, an eternal cycle of creation and annihilation. Within this instability are islands, some as large as continents, that enjoy a temporary reprieve, places where communities thrive and monsters dwell. Here, in these drifting realms, adventures in the elemental chaos typically unfold. I now have a new goal of getting my party to wear rubber suits so they can walk on a lightning bridge. Fuck yeah, Sounds man. fucking awesome. Or sail on a, a, a thunder tidal wave. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, no. A thunder tidal wave. That sounds wild. I need my rubber boat. We need it now. We need a bigger rubber boat as a lightning shark. Damn, Lightning Jaws is going to attack my party. Lightning Jaws, fuck yeah. The world was formed out of the elemental chaos, and in places it remains close to its origin. In the crater of an active volcano, at the eye of a mighty storm, among the churning of an ocean maelstrom, or from the heart of an ancient glacier, the elemental chaos spills into the world in destructive glory. Adventurous characters might seek such locations as portals or be drawn to them to combat creatures native to the elemental chaos that spill into the world. In their efforts to put a stop to the danger of an angry storm titan or marching army of fire archons, the characters might pass unwittingly from the natural world to the elemental chaos beyond. Hmm. Let's take a short rest. Let's do it. It's the grand adventures of Ilian and Beard. Where, where are we? Oh, Beard. Oh. Ilian, you're here. Oh. Yes. I, uh, thought, I thought we, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought we fucking died. <laughs> yes, it wasn't looking very, uh. Very likely that we would survive there for a minute. You said some really scary stuff. Did I? I yeah. I can't seem to remember. I kind of do. I, I think I hit my head really uh, hard on like... this lightning boat. What is this? <laughs> yes, we appear to be on a boat in, uh, in the sky. Oh, my God. Riding on lightning bolts. Alien, uh, look. I have... Oh, no. I only have the one... I have one shard. Wait a minute. Of substantial supporters. I remember the uh, name. I too have shard. We've got two substantial supporting shards. Yes! Yeah! We're one step closer to the end. Oh, you using noisy boys, huh? Whoa! I, I, I heard you talking. You was awake, but then you started making lots of noise. What's going on? Who are you, sir? Yeah, who are you? Uh, Stand back. Hey, Where are we? Well, who the hell are you? It's my boat. It's my boat. Don't ask me questions on my boat. You want to stay on my boat? You want to jump out there? Yeah, I'm looking over the side here, and it seems to just fall into oblivion. I'm looking out the side over here, and it it's oblivion over there as well. Yes. Uh, I mean, there is, a, there is a mountain of magma spurting violently in the distance. There. I didn't even notice that. And it is also it floating above this oblivion. Oh, there's a tornado over there. That's crazy. Indeed. It's over there, it's raining gently, it looks like. That's interesting. Is yeah. that magma waterfall flowing upward? Yeah, it is. It's kind of crazy, right? Yeah, you boys are keen. You got good eyesight. I like that. Now tell me your name so I'm going to fucking kill you. I am. 
I am Ilian the Green, wizard extravagant. And this here is... I am Beard the Bewilderer. Sometimes I show people my butt. Oh, that's weird. He does. It's true. Don't it, show it to me or I'll hit you with my lightning whip. It's strangely effective as well. Um. <laughs> okay. How did we get in this boat? Oh, you was falling. You was falling. I picked you up. I didn't want you to die. I want to know more about you, little gremlins. Oh. Do you know where we are? I was floating around the abyss. The no, not the abyss. That's the abyss? A, sorry. That's, that's what's down there. That's what's down there. We're floating above it. Yes, Bian, I know where we are. The elemental chaos. Uh, I'd call it the chouse, but sure. <laughs> As the locals would say, the elemental chouse. Chow what the hell is the chouse? Okay. That's Think of it it's as, a, as a great chaotic soup of elements and matter and energy and whatnot. Basically, where our creation comes from. Well, that's, that's, that's... Alien. Create creation. You said the word creation. You know what? I bet you some of the shards of suspensional supporters were drawn to this place. For it's in the very nature to create and to support creation. I bet. I bet. I bet the the shards brought us here for this reason. Maybe they did. Hey, maybe they can do that thing that they did before, Indeed, where they showed yes. us where the, the that yes. where this one was. I will hold up my shard of substantial supporters, which will eventually become a pendant of plenteous patrons. Let's see what happens. What? Why is it working? How did we get it to do the thing before? I wait, I did a paint. You did you did do a paint. I haven't yes. done a paint in a while. You haven't done a paint in a while. I really want to. Ben, I believe it's time. Hey, uh hey hey, you, uh, sir, is it okay if I paint on your boat? Yeah? Where, uh, you, where you gents want to go? Hold, hold on. We will have an answer for you shortly. Just let this man paint. Okay. That sounds good. I'm going to go back to the helm and steer for a little while. You guys are cool, right? You seem cool. We are the coolest. That's funny that you guys have uh, those little pieces. I found one of those floating around a couple weeks ago. Sold it to a little trader. <gasps> well, take us, take us to wherever that person is. I ain't going to talk to no fucking gits, all right? He's gone ben, now. Ben, he, this man appears to be quite racist. <laughs> <laughs> That's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. But he does seem like he's going to help us get to where we need to go, which is cool. Get to painting. We need to get off this boat as fast as possible. I'm setting up my easel. I'm going to paint something. <laughs> Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million dollars stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. It doesn't matter if you're selling scented soaps or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you'll sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. It's like I said before, Shopify is going to take your business no matter what stage it's at and elevate it to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch. 
And organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. We've returned. Here we have. We're back from the ashes of last year, reborn again as a new cast with a new thumbnail and new merch in the Patreon store, probably, if not very soon. Very soon. Thank you, patrons, for voting on this episode. Thank you for continuing to support Ilion and Bien. <laughs> I please continue to misspell their names. Yeah, it's great. I love it. It's fun. But mm. if you want to know what they are, you can find that too. Um. Yeah, go to patreon.com slash dungeoncast where you can continue to support us, Alien and Beer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, let's kick it, let's kick it into high gear. Well, let's do it. <laughs> the elemental speaking of uh vehicles, we're about to get into vehicles. No way. <laughs> yes, we are. I didn't know that. <laughs> fate. The elemental chaos can be hard for adventurers to navigate, accustomed as they are to a world with a relatively level surface, consistent landmarks, and a defined north. Parts of the elemental chaos can be traversed on foot. Vast rock slabs, ash fields, mineral plains, and ice sheets form extensive landscapes that hold plentiful opportunities for adventure. Others demand more exotic modes of transportation. Flying mounts are popular and reliable means of getting from place to place among the jumbled elements of the elemental chaos. Mundane hippogriffs brought from the natural world can reach a monastery built on a floating earth moat or find a dungeon tunneled into a mountain of ice. Hardier steeds native to the elemental chaos, such as rhymefire griffins or thunderhawks, are better able to navigate the hazards of the plane. Both planar dromons, which are like flying dimensional boats, oh, wow. and okay. spell jammers are useful vehicles for navigating the elemental chaos. With magical protection, planar dromons can sail across oceans of magma, sand, and acid as easily as they can manage water. I love the um, the fantasy trope of needing like a special super boat to go do the magic quest. Yeah, that's me fun. too. I do as well. Yeah. Even without such protections, planar dromons remain useful for navigating the elemental chaos's vast sea and rivers. Spelljammers are more versatile, able to soar through open air anywhere in the plane. Uh, some denizens and explorers of the elemental chaos have created vehicles specialized for navigating certain kinds of terrain. Galleys and barges of magical, magically enchanted metal traverse the fiery lakes and canals of the city of Brass, carrying goods to and from the great markets of the Ifrites. Uh, these ships are functionally identical to the ocean-going vessels of the world, but resistance, resistant to enormous heat. Lightning skiffs are sleek vessels designed to ride the brickneck currents of electricity that shoot across the sky. Whew. Wow. Yeah, Whew. This, it's a lot. Do you yeah. want me to read one? Sure, man. Tell yeah. me about the Gith Yankee vessels. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. Is that what the next paragraph's about? I, about I just saw out. the word Gith Yankee. Okay. These conveyances are the fat. That's I'm on the right paragraph. Right? Yeah, you are. Yeah. These conveyances are the fastest mode of transport known in the elemental chaos. Similar in design to astral skiffs, the first lightning skiffs might have been modified Gith Yankee vessels transported from the astral sea into the elemental chaos. A lightning skiff can travel downstream on a lightning current at roughly 50 miles per hour. Or whatever kilometers that is. What is that, like 40-something? Something. 30, high 30s? Okay. Carrying half a dozen passengers in a day. We got to get back on our game, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. I'm going to get sorry. on it. 
Will's gonna get, we're gonna get back to it. Carrying half a dozen passengers in addition to its crew of three to five, a lightning skiff cost twenty thousand gold pieces. A chaos glider is a small zeppelin with broad sails, magically enchanted to catch the waves of raw chaos that ripple through the plane and use that force for propulsion. Its crew of five leaves the room for only one or two passengers and as much cargo as could fit on horseback. Riding chaos waves is a treacherous mode of travel. Sometimes a chaos glider drifts aimlessly in doldrums for days, and sometimes it is transported instantly across thousands of miles. Chaos gliders are not generally available for sale. They are best suited as a one-time adventure element to make characters' lives interesting. Um, like what we were saying with, like, you need the fantasy boat to go do the fantasy quest, mm -hmm. and there's, like, one of them mm -hmm. or yeah. whatever, and you yeah. gotta, like, sometimes you gotta find the fucking wings to put on it or whatever. Yeah, you know? and then you gotta trap your player, so you have to take the fantasy boat away for a little bit. There you go. <laughs> you gotta rebuild the fantasy boat again. The guy that knew it got knocked unconscious and thrown into the plane of wind, and you gotta go take a dive. There you so go. Who knows? So amid the crashing of earth motes into rivers of magma and the blasting of superheated steam clouds through the sky, a less spectacular but more insidious hazard of the elemental chaos is the lack of sustenance for natives of the natural world. The city of Brass imports foodstuffs uh, for its mortal residents and visitors, and where natural humanoids make their homes, agriculture, or livestock has been cultivated. In the vast wilds, however, precious little to eat exists. Plants are rare, arising only where seeds from the natural world manage to take root in a hospitable environment. Most creatures native to the elemental chaos are inedible elemental beings, and the majority of the rest, such as slods or demons, are unappetizing at best. So, quick reminder that, remember, this is 4E cosmology, so all four of the elemental planes, the, ele the plane of limbo, and the abyss have all been crammed together into mm. this elemental chaos. It would be sloddy, um, right? Not yeah. slods. Uh, I believe 4E did say slods. Ah, oh, dang. But, but 5E does say sloddy. So. Man, I'm randomly tuned in, dude. The the plants thing. Yeah, dude. On. Yeah, you really are. <laughs> <laughs> and then the vehicles. Vehicle, yeah, I'm there. Do you want, <laughs> me, you want me to? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we'll tag you in. All right. Mortal visitors to the elemental chaos are well advised to bring their own rations. I almost said rations. Uh, elemental terrain and hazards travel and battles in the elemental chaos can be dramatically influenced by terrain features, aspects that change without notice in the churning tempest of the plane. The fantastic terrains include choke frost, fonts of power, and whirlwinds. Hazards can be treacherous, ice sheets, caustic geysers, and fields of everflame. Can I pause you for a second? Sure. Remember that this is a 4E lore. So 4E includes this information. Motherfucker! Ah, take a drink! It's the first of the year. You're probably <laughs> hungover, and uh, you don't want to drink, but you need to because Will's phone just went off. It Welcome did. to the Dungeon Gas drinking game. Go binge the series. <laughs> don't get drunk. I dare you. Okay. So what I was saying was <laughs> all of this information is included in, in these four e-source books, right? And mm -hmm. it mentions, like, these fonts of powers and choke frost and ice sheets and caustic geysers. Guess what? Right next to it are trap stat blocks for every single one of these things. Oh. Four e's great at that. Oh, that's cool. he's great at like, hey, there are these things. We're going to tell you all this lore. Oh, and here's stat blocks that you need for everything that we mentioned. I really want to do a traps episode. I've wanted to do it for a long okay, time. Okay, let's do it. We'll do it. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think that's just a useful, like, that's a DMing episode, right? Like, Definitely. That's yeah. Favorite traps. traps. Hazards. Let's go do it. Traps and hazards and maybe even diseases. If or we puzzles. Want to. You like, you know. Puzzles too. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. What is a puzzle but puzzle. a trap of the mind? It is. It really is. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I interrupted. Uh, any or all of these features are as detailed in the Dungeon Master's Guide. That's a DMG for those in the know. Might spice up an encounter in the Elemental Chaos. The nature of the Elemental Chaos gives rise to many variations of these features. A whirlwind, for example, might incorporate fire or lightning, dealing damage to targets who enter or start their turn in the affected area. A shifting earth flow might exert a slide similar effect or a slide effect similar to a whirlwind or current. The elemental chaos is home to many different creatures, from the demons that lurk in the swirling evil of the abyss to the primordials that first shape the world from the raw materials of the elements. Archons. Archons are the soldiers of the primordial host, birthed at the dawn of time to engage the legions of angels and mortal creatures that serve the deities in the great war over the created world. Formed in apparently limitless numbers from raw elemental energy, Archons might have turned the tide of the war in the Primordial's favor. Realizing the threat, however, the, the deities discovered the secret of Archon creation and focused a relentless assault on the forges where they were bound into physical form. Yo, these sound crazy. 
He sounds super crazy. What, Archons? Yeah. yeah, I don't think we talked about him in depth, really. No, we haven't. There will be an Archons episode this year. Interesting. Sure. Okay. To this day, many angels hold such a burning hatred for Archons that they're willing to risk considerable danger to strike at an important Archon stronghold or foundry. Archons organize themselves into loose bands, possess a mindset based on conflict and conquest, and hone already keen minds for strategy and tactics. They have no particularly loyal, particular loyalty to the defeated primordials. They serve mighty leaders of their own kind, titans who manage to command them, efreets, and similarly powerful elemental creatures, anyone who can lead them into battle. When left to their own devices, they associate with other archons of the same kind, fire with fire, ice with ice, and so on. However, archons of a particular element hold no special enmity for other kinds of archons. I see. Okay. Go ahead. Titans tend to lead Archons with a common elemental background. Storm Titans command air Archons. Frost Titans lead ice Archons, and so on. Though exceptions exist, Ifrits make an effort to amass armies of diverse Archon breeds, recognizing the military strength that comes from such diversity. Ice, air, and other Archons don't have any difficulty serving the fiery Ifrits as long as their leaders provide them with ample opportunities to fight. Pretty cool. <clears throat> Although the primordials original originally created archons, the Ifrits stole or learned the secret of their creation, and the knowledge spread from them. In essence, the ritual transforms the body and spirit of another elemental creature into an archon, bound with specially crafted armor. Archons often create more of their own kind, not by any kind of reproduction, but following the same techniques the primordials used at the dawn of time. Uh, the process requires a special forge built in a significant concentration of elemental energy. One such forge, which the Ifrits use to create fire archons, stands in the Char district of the city of Brass. Ice archons make more of their kind at a forge in the crater of Blue Ice, a relatively stable formation located precariously close to the abyss. Man, Forge is cool. It's just like its own little story. It really is, yeah. Okay. You want me to do demons? Yeah, do demons. demons. Do demons. We got demons. We got demons. Uh, though they demons. <laughs> oh, God. Though they congregate in the abyss. It's a dungeon cast deep cut. Though they congregate in the abyss, demons are the most fearsome and dangerous creatures in the elemental chaos. If the elemental chaos embodies the constant tumult of destruction and creation, demons give savage form to the destructive part of that cycle. At the heart of the abyss, destruction becomes annihilation. Life and substance are snuffed from existence, and the cycle comes to an end. Demons are the tools the Abyss uses to extend the reach of its obliteration. It could be said that anywhere in the elemental chaos that demons appear as part of the Abyss, even when they strike out beyond the traditional haunts to attack slods, githzerai, communities, or ifrit outposts. Demons rarely venture far above the plane of a thousand portals, which is the uppermost region of the Abyss. But when they do, they often drag parts of the elemental chaos back with them, adding more material to the maelstrom of annihilation that is the Abyss. That's fucking cool demons rule dude <laughs> nice you know what finish it out finish yeah, it out bro much like orcs or gnolls in the mortal world demons are marauding raiders more interested in carnage than pillaging it's like the material plane plus like it's like hero mode mm -hmm. and there you gotta kill demons there's yeah. those are the raiders mm -hmm. demons mm -hmm. is strong Characters exploring the elemental chaos might encounter a rampaging demon band or even be hired to help defend a small elemental realm from demonic attackers. Less often, demons are bound to serve mortal or elemental masters, including drow priestesses, powerful ifrits, titans, or demon cultists. Uh, damn, demon cultists down here sounds crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, as DM, you don't, need to, you don't need a good reason to use a demon in an adventure or encounter. They are the ultimate monsters. Forces of raw devastation that present a clear and unambiguous threat for the characters to vanquish. Yeah, you're right. Demons can go anywhere and do anything as long as the conditions are correct. Mm -hmm. And you can just play Jumanji and make them happen. Indeed. I just felt like it had been a long time since we mentioned Jumanji. And I don't <laughs> like to go too long on the show without hey, mentioning man, Jumanji. We're starting the year off right. Especially when we're talking. We have to be talking about demons. When we talk about demons, I want to talk true. about Jumanji. Well, yeah, who knows how many uh, Jumanji opportunities we'll have considering like there's not a lot of plant life in a lot of the elemental planes that we'll be talking about this year no we're gonna have lots of Jumanji. like if we're gonna be talking about like demons rolling up in the plane of earth to like fucking steal well, your rocks <laughs> like, well and 5e that doesn't normally happen although i, I do like the idea remember yeah, this we'll, is have a, we have, we'll have a 4e section in some of these right and it'll be like we definitely will and then the yes. demons showed up to steal your rocks so they could build a house in their in the abyss and then knock it over yeah <laughs> that's what they do <laughs> All right, <laughs> elementals. Elementals are a ubiquitous and uh, as ubiquitous and pervasive in the elemental chaos as normal animals are in the mortal world. 
The elementals from the monster manual are but a few examples of the staggering variety found throughout the plane. Elementals are limitless in shape, size, composition, and temperament, and they defy easy classification. They take shape from the base matter of the plane. What sentience they possess might be fragments of the minds of the primordials, but no one is certain. Some are dumb as beasts. Others are smart as ogres or perhaps kobolds. In general, they lack any degree of society or civilization except what's imposed on them in servitude to Efreets, Titans, or other masters. Elementals subsist by consuming elemental matter, some just incorporate it into their substance, but others ingest and digest it in some manner. Magma beasts commonly eat organic matter as well as rocks and metals, but it's not clear whether this food provides them any nourishment or just or is just a pleasant sensation akin to taste. <laughs> Elementals are dangerous to adventurers when they are hungry or territorial, which is most of the time. They're also found in the service of more powerful creatures, pressed into Ifrit armies, conjured by ritual casters or primordial cultists, or driven before titans in their warring rampages. For sure. I'll read Genasi. Yeah. Uh, my first character was a Genasi. That was interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I, mm -hmm. I don't think I've had a player be a Genasi, especially not recently. Um, if I have, maybe it was like a one shot or something. I don't know, but it's not a common choice is my point. It's not, although I think 5e Genasi are a little lacking mechanically. Sure. But, um, but I like Genasi a lot, actually. They're Me one too. of my favorite races. They seem like I, like when you're doing a session zero and people haven't picked their characters yet, you could be like, Hey, I highly suggest a Genasi. Mm -hmm. And then maybe that would, that would yeah, be that's picked, true. you know? Uh, Genasi are elemental humanoids with numerous legends surrounding their origin. Perhaps they were first created as a slave race by the Ifrits, or perhaps they descended from humanoids who came to the elemental chaos from the natural world ages ago. The first Genasi may have arisen from elements gifted with the sentience of a powerful primordial, or they might be the creations of long-forgotten god who sought to break the primordial's hold over the elemental chaos." I'm going to stop you for a second yeah. because <clears throat> something just occurred to me. So you you, and I'm sure a lot of listeners and watchers might have noticed that the Ifrit have been mentioned many times. Oh, yeah. yeah. And no other genies have been mentioned at all. You're right. Yeah. One of the things. just about to mention. Uh, oh, I was going to mention giants. You're good. Okay. One of the things that 4E did lore-wise that I actually super don't like is for some reason they just made the Ifrit like the genie and there just wasn't any others. There oh. weren't no, there was no marids or jinn or. Aren't there varying levels Dao? of evil for genies? Like the free is the evil one. Evil is a lawful evil one. Yeah. 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 So okay. I don't know why they did that. I really don't know why they did, it, especially because the genasi became a really prominent race and like genie is in the word genasi. Um, so I'm not sure why they made that choice, and I don't agree with it. But I figured I should address it because the Ifrit have come up a lot. They really like the uh, end of Aladdin. They're like, "Jeez, man, Jafar's so cool." Genasi are highly adaptable denizens of the elemental chaos, gifted with an adventurous spirit and unquenchable sense of wanderlust that have, over the eons, scattered the race across the entire plain and beyond. Genasi are most commonly found in the streets of the city of Brass, many of them bound as slaves and servants to the powerful Ifrits. Others eke out of mod modest livings as traders, artisans, laborers, and guides. Um, and then I think I read somewhere that they, like, get subjugated by giants, which is what I was going to say before, like... Um, like that, I don't know why. Um, Goliaths and dwarves both have the giant slave thing going on. I yeah. don't think I like know that something giant. about cloud giants. Like oh, that might air, be. Uh, for all Genasi. I know, that might be newer newer Genasi lore. I think it I must be older giants, though. Yeah. I can't remember why that's peaking right now. But okay. whatever. Maybe someone in the comments can help us out. Thank you, commenters. <clears throat> Primordials. The primordials, hundreds or perhaps thousands in number, are ancient forces of creation that were first to emerge from the elemental chaos. In a frenzy of creation, they built the world from the elemental chaos's churning matter and energy. They are primal aspects of nature, driven to create and recreate in an endless cycle of building and destruction. If the primordials had been left to their desires, the world would have remained a place of elemental fury and spectacular destruction. Ooh. But the primordials were not allowed to have the final say. The deities of the Astral Sea were fascinated with its proto with this proto-creation and set about making improvements to it, spreading life across the world, separating the roiling elements into oceans and land masses. The gods created angels to serve them and mortals to populate the world and worship them. Their influence imbued the world with a hint of the permanence of the eternal Astral Sea, establishing a stable place for their mortal creations to reside. They sought to drive the gods from the world they had made, or I should... <clears throat> Excuse me. Primordials sought to drive the gods from the world they, they had made, removing all traces of their interference so they could tear the creation asunder and build it anew. 
The deities refused to bend and fought to preserve the world and the mortals they had made. In the end, the deities prevailed. They killed several of the great primordials, imprisoned others, and forbade the rest from ever again walking the world. Chained and raging in divinely crafted prisons, the ancient beings lie hidden within the cosmos. They wait for the hour when they can unleash elemental retaliation upon all of creation. Every once in a great while, a single primordial erupts into the world, sending chaos roiling in its wake. At these times, the mightiest of heroes emerge and face their greatest trials. Speaking of Disney, I feel like this is very Hercules-inspired. <laughs> Were we talking about Disney? You mentioned Aladdin. Oh, you're right. I did. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. You're right. <laughs> yeah. The primordials are raw, untamed chaos and elemental form, almost indistinguishable from the plane that birthed them. They possess power and intellect to rival or exceed the deities, but they are far from subtle. They don't represent ideals or concepts. They embody the natural forces of creation and annihilation. They exist solely to act out that cycle, using the churning tempest of the elemental chaos as paint and canvas. Most are unaligned. Uh, few are evil or chaotic evil. All stand as sworn enemies of the deities and seize any possible opportunity opportunity to avenge the the defeat they suffered at the beginning of time. Most primordials are imprisoned in some way. Mm. If you want to, we'll, we'll go back and forth on this list of some of these. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, uh, I got the Mualtar. Mualtar? Mualtar. Mualtar. The Thunder Serpent. The Thunder Serpent is bound by chains made in Moradin's forge, attached to stakes whose magic stabilizes the surrounding chaos into a desolate plain of rock. Vesuvu, the burning mountain, is trapped in a field of radiance shifted partly out of reality, unable to affect her surroundings or be affected by them. The deities cut off the head of Balkoth, the groaning king, but it survives as a monstrous face of ash and cinders buried in a cave somewhere in the endless chaos, unable to muster his mighty elemental power until he can reform or reclaim his body. That sounds horrible. Mm -hmm. uh, though the primordials cling to only a tiny fraction of the power they had, Held before their war with the deities, they still have servants and worshippers, elementals and mortals, who view them as patrons, guides, or potential allies against the gods and their servants. Some goblin tribes in the natural world devote themselves to the Fire Lord Imix, seeking to unleash the eternal flame of their primordial master on their enemies. Deranged titans gather around the unchanging glacier where Solkara, the crushing wave, is imprisoned, channeling the hottest flames of the elemental chaos in a vain attempt to melt the prison. Primordials fill a similar role to that of deities and demon princes. They're immensely powerful creatures that are appropriate threats <clears throat> only for epic characters at the pinnacle of their powers. Still, they can influence a campaign at the lowest levels through their minions and servitors, Characters might strive against Emix's goblin cult in the heroic tier, battle fire archons dedicated to the Fire Lord in their paragon levels, and fight their way through uh, fire titans at the Temple of the Consuming Flame before confronting Emix at the end of their careers. Uh, I guess another 4E pause. Remember, 4E, 4th edition goes to level 30. So oh, yeah. The that's first, right. The first 10 levels are heroic, levels 11 to 20 are paragon. Uh, where that's kind of so you have your build at the beginning and you pick your powers up through then at level 11 you pick your paragon path which is like your secondary class Ooh. and then at level 21 you begin epic tier where you pick your epic destiny which you know could be something like archangel or archdevil oh, yeah, okay. or become like a superpower you know, fake queen Extra. Or, yeah yeah finally i think this is the final one titans According to some legends, the Titans are servants of the Primordials in much the same way the angels serve the deities. Tales tell that the Titans were the first creatures, the first living things to draw breath after the deities and Primordials themselves took shape. Their place in the universe suggests comparison with angels, but few other similarities are evident. Crudely shaped from raw elemental substance, the Titans are about as different from the refined, elegantly sculpted angels as, as any creature can be. Believing themselves to be the firstborn of creation, the Titans seek to emulate their primordial masters. They shape kingdoms for themselves from the raw forces of chaos, calling them worlds in imitation of the larger world they once held shape. That, yeah, they once helped shape. Unlike the Ifrits, though, the Titans revel in the entropic jumble of elemental forces and do not try to impose order on the region's they control for a fire titan for example it is often enough that his domain be a fiery region choked with ash and smoke and flowing with magma if the chaos changes this region so it no longer fits that description it either seeks to alter it back or moves to a new region better suited to its taste 
Within those broad parameters, the chaos in a titan's domain still churns, wild and untamed. Nothing at all like the relative stability of the city of Brass. Among the greatest of the titan kingdoms are Sakath Mazim, uh, the kingdom of the Ashen Storm, ruled by the warmongering fire titan king Surtur. That's like uh, Ragnarok. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kaltenheim, the kingdom of Howling Ice, of the Howling Ice, ruled by Surtur's blustery nemesis, the Frost Titan King Thrym, mm -hmm. uh, and Toraker, the kingdom of the Black Waves, ruled by the Mad Storm Titan Queen Isaga. So obviously, Surtur, you don't recognize Surtur and Thrym as two of the children of Anam. Yeah. Okay. Which again, this My is Fori lore, so it's def different, but yes. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Titans war with each other for control of their world creations. An Earth Titan might seek to conquer the rocky land of a rival Titan or attempt to wrest the shadowy domain of a Death Titan from its ruler's control, then transform it into a region more to its liking. Giants, Archons, Salamanders, and multitudes of uh, other elemental creatures are their foot soldiers in these wars of conquest, but no Titan rules from afar or leads from the rear. The raw physicality of combat is in harmony with their essential nature, and they live to participate in the clash of battle. You want me to go? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we'll do it. At least in theory, Titans remain loyal to their re, uh, their restrained or imprisoned primordial masters. Some Fire Titans are loyal to the Fire Lord Imix. Other uh, others are sworn to serve Shangar, uh, the Uncrowned, or Vizuvu, the Burning Mountain. A Storm Titan might pledge her loyalty to Mualtar, the Thunder Serpent, or heed the unspoken call of Castanamir, the Shattered Khan. Or Alhydra, the Rain Queen. This is fucking challenge mode right Bro, now. Bro, I gave you the most challenging <laughs> name one that you've never seen these names before. In practice, I, I think I crushed it. Yeah, you did. You did great. In practice, most Titans serve their own agendas first, with the goals of their imprisoned creators merely at a distance or merely a distant thought in the back of their minds. Many Titans have more than a passing interest in the world their ancestors helped create. They would dearly love a chance to reclaim it from the deities who usurped it. I will I will finish out the whole thing. All right. Many Titan realms contain places where the elemental chaos erupts into the world, spilling out into the hearts of active volcanoes, ocean storms, or freezing wastes. Possibly Titans seek to place as sites for their territories, but also might be that Titans can open these portals with time and effort. In the world, these areas are usually well populated with giants. Titans are not beings consumed by deep thought. They are creatures of powerful physicality, not subtlety, scheming, or diplomacy. They are best used as straightforward monsters lording over domains that can be dungeons or wilderness environments in the elemental chaos. They rule through force of arms, bending giants and lesser elemental creatures to their service. Their weak wills leave them susceptible to the cunning entanglements of ifrits, devils, and similarly cerebral creatures. Ah, cerebral creatures. <laughs> Even mortal visitors from the natural world. And that's all I got. What an episode. On this the elemental crazy. chaos. Yeah. Most of it's Fori lore, and Fori lore is rich and crazy. Any thoughts? Any any thoughts about how you would take a lot of this lore and fit it to your game that's 5e centric? Uh yeah, I would just kind of lift a lot of it, honestly. Yeah, like, yeah. why am I gonna bother like trying to tweak it? I would tweak things here and there to fit the model that 5e embodies. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we got wheels here. Yeah, but whatever. We believe in wheels, not yeah. axes. Right. Uh, you know, I kind of do my own thing for the planar stuff. Yeah, I don't sure. do it a lot because it is this, the nature of it is this deep, rich vein of like, you got to do the game here. Right. If you're going to do the game here, like, it's hard to bring in a little piece of this, you know, mm -hmm. I, I feel like. I'm okay. sure you could yeah. with a little creativity. But, like, once you're, if, especially if you're going there, if you go there, you're there and you're fucked for, like, a while. You got to deal with it. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Late game stuff. All right. Know. Well. I guess we can get ready for a long rest. Sure. Let's do it. All right. Well, that's not how to start shit. <laughs> All right. We're doing things different this fucking year. That's <laughs> <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome to the long rest. This is the part of the episode where we get cozy and comfy and say thanks thanks a whole bunch but thank you even harder to a bunch of specific people indeed from patreon this is a patreon voted episode that means that this episode topic was nominated and voted on with a pool of other topics that were nominated and voted on this was the winner this round and congratulations maybe fourth edition voters will get their due next time dude i mean i feel like they kind of they got a free one in on this one yeah the, i will <laughs> can make that call um and i'll support him with whatever he decides because ultimately it's his decision to decide what we talk about so 
um you know we we still we're still we still make the show we can do whatever we want <laughs> But um, we really appreciate you, you guys. Don't own us? <laughs> Is that what we're starting? Well, this? They sort of own us. Uh, we, <laughs> it's a mutual thing. We're gonna we're gonna push and pull a little bit. He did the Nethro episode. He gave you. He's he's paid his dues. He can take one for him. I have bled for you. <laughs> <laughs> now we'll do what you vote for. Yeah, exactly. Um, so just vote for you harder, I guess. Anyway, um, we had a bunch of people come in on Patreon, and we want to say thank you to them. Um. I know we did talk about doing like a full on like a Pokemon rap style for every single patron. Um, <laughs> we'll try to find the time for that oh so, so eventually. Um, we'll see. I'll keep trying. No one, no one was really like, "Yeah, do it." Speaking so. of Pokemon, I got uh, my son, who's still not even three; he's just turned two and a half on Pokemon the Indigo League. Oh, cool! And he's into oh, the it, show. Dude. He's into it. Yeah. yeah, the show. Yeah, it is a kid show. Yeah, it is. <laughs> All right, we got uh, we got meet the wall or sorry, meet the walrus. Sorry, I'm reading. <laughs> it's the Patreon email that tells us like like meet the this person. Okay, yeah. the walrus of knowledge. <laughs> Thank you, the walrus of knowledge. Thank you. Um, then we got uh, the Duke of Thickness. <laughs> Thank you, Duke of Thickness. That's two C's. That's two C's. Wow, that's a cool name. The thickest thickets. I'm just remembering the Green Dragon episode. That's a long time ago. Shakira, um, Shakira. We got Cameronon Brooks. Thank you, Cameronon. Thank you, Cameronon. Uh, we also have uh, Lucas Polanski. Thank you, Lucas. Thank you, Lucas. And we also have uh, the Northern Loon. Thank you, Northern Loon. Uh, yeah. Hell yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, um, And everyone. thank you for your continued support of the show for everybody that is on Patreon right now. Um, yeah, it's a it's a fluctuating pool of people, and we totally get it. Like, it's hard to, to contribute. You know, times get tough. We totally get it. So thanks to everybody that has been with Patreon for a long time. We're really excited to kick off this year in a big way and to take you all on this magical Dungeon Cast ride with us once again. Indeed. Um, Next episode, we're going to read YouTube comments. Uh, Will, tell tell the people where they can find us on the Soch. You can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, formerly known as X. Wait, that's backwards. X, formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> Threads and Mastodon. Um, also, uh, on Discord, you can chat with me or Brian. We have a wonderful community there, uh, the Dungeon Cast community. Check the links in the description, and you'll find us. Yeah, you can also hit me up on Sound Good Inc. on Instagram. Um, people talk to me there. Um, they give me advice about my turtle, which is super duper kind. Um, so thank you guys. And, uh, you can, you can see my turtle there. Um, I did a cool, I did a big old posty this weekend where, um, they've been running up to me and, uh, letting me pet them. So that's, that's real fun. So I finally that's, got a yeah, video of that. That's great. Yeah. Uh, and like, what oh, else? Brian, scratch my shell. It's true. They yeah. were like, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and, and they got up there. Okay. Well, um. P.O. Box, send us a postcard or some shit, man. We got we we've gotten some cool stuff in the P.O. Box before. Indeed, we have it for business like that purposes. Sick ass Demogorgon mini. Oh front. hell yeah! That's Thank you to the awesome. user that sent us that. I uh, we have got a few really fucking cool. It's the single that, greatest looking mini I think I've ever seen. It is really cool. I yeah. don't know. This dragon turtle is fucking sick too. It's though. also great. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we got some ones Hero Forge sent us down there and stuff, and some we bought. But you know. You can uh, you can send us a mini or a dice box or whatever you want. We'll accept it. We have a P.O. box, and that address is in the description below. Mm -hmm. um, we also have an email address. If you want to sponsor the show, hit us up. Um, if you are looking to talk to us, refer back to what Will said. And if you want to hit uh, a subscribe on YouTube, if you're a podcast listener, we really appreciate that sort of stuff. Leave us an Apple iTunes review or review us on whatever platform you experience the show on. Uh, and, and let us know what you think. Um, we're always open to constructive criticism, as long as it's constructive and not like just hate speech. Yeah. Sometimes it is. It's yeah. okay. It's a side effect of being on the internet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once again, thank you guys. Happy to kick off this new year with you. Um, I just want to let everybody know that like my slippies are just a pools of elemental energy. Yeah, mine. I got Roiling Thunder in one. And I have green magma in the other. Yeah, mine, I can't even lift my left leg because it's just a big fucking rock. And uh, this one is just like a plume of magma. Nice. It's so warm. They're both really warm. Toasty. Toasty. 
We're going to call it a game. Let's call it a game. We'll talk to you guys later. Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Seven ribs are completely fused. And you have no idea where this came from? No. She was sent here anonymously. Uh Uh-uh. Not she. They, maybe? Wait. I've never seen anything like this. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. My grandfather was a journalist back in the 60s and 70s. He specialized in strange stories. Who are they? How are they connected to the skeleton? Play the tape. You'll see. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. We dream about it. We both dream about it. How often? Every night.